been too long since we heard this music, which means it's been too long since we've talked to our Bucks buddy. You hear him on the Bucks Radio Network. He's on the color on the home games. He's doing Bucks talk, and Bucks shots, and Bucks house with the real estate market. Everything you need I'm assuming, when it comes to the Bucks. I'm assuming those interest rates are affected JG's Bucks house. I think it's tough. Right. Uh, feel like, aren't they coming down? I they were oh, coming what a down. Flex. What is this flex that JG's got? Hey, wait a minute. Were you not here the last time we did this? No. I was. Hey, somebody, I thought he was here. I thought he was too. Yeah. Is this the first Maybe you're I seeing of these shoes? Dude, that uh, is sick. My Max would go crazy seeing that he has become a shoe guy, and now every time he sees an Air Force One with different colors, he's mixing and matching blue and red and. He is all in on the Air Force One game, and it looks like JG's got a pretty nice little collection. Um, if I may interrupt, for yeah, those no, of you that are uh, not no watching Force on One, video, so. if you're not watching on video. It's not an Air Force One, one, two, three, four, five up in your middle column? No, no, there's no Air really? Force Ones in uh, my collection. Oh. There's some Air Max, some okay. Jordan Ones. The Grinch. Some Dunks. The Grinches, yeah. Uh, Justin oh. Garcia. Is our Bucks buddy? He joins us from his shoe closet in his palatial estate. Uh, hey, Jason, if you're interviewing, there's a new coach with the Badgers, and his name, last name is Grinch. Would you bring anything Christmas related up in your introductory uh, meeting with this guy, Coach? I hear you're a mean one. Is that an accurate depiction of your coaching style? <laughs> that would have been better than what I went with. That's not the road I went. So here's the problem with that, and Justin, help me out with this because you you've done this. Stole Christmas. Uh, yeah. What did that you ask? Really good. Too. What did you ask? It was. Is your heart three sizes too small? <laughs> here's the problem. Uh, you don't think he's heard everyone possible with the last name of Grinch? Like, are you really going to cover new ground with those jokes? Is Madison an upgrade from Whoville? <laughs> that one's not bad. He might not have gotten that one before. That would have been better. Yeah. Should have. So wait a minute. What did you go with? I don't remember. I think that video. It was that bad. I, I don't remember. That wasn't great. Now hopefully it gets chopped. But I should have asked for our help. We could have helped you. I uh, like that up. we. Yeah. Like we asked Justin Garcia for help when it comes to the Bucks because we believe in experts and he is definitely that. All right, Justin, help us understand. Uh, look, NBA games are, what, worth one-fifth-ish of an NFL game? So we obsess over the 17 regular season games. Uh, 82 of these games are played in the National Basketball Association. Someone, you know, there's somewhere between 15 and 25 games left in the season. What should we take from the win over the T-Wolves and over the 76ers in their last two games? Because before that... Boy, were the Bucks the most popular team to criticize across all of media? People were getting after them constantly. Now they've won back to back against pretty good teams. Um, the Bucks and uh, their coach, and thanks for having me, by the way, guys. But yeah, they they had drawn quite a bit of criticism. I think what you take from these two games is they're headed in the right direction. Um, everybody's tossed around the numbers. I heard Tausch go through the Dame numbers. They're 21-2, and two, by the way, in games where Damian Lillard scores 26 or more. So that seems oh. to be the magic number. I, I did see that 19-0 and 0 when he's shooting 50%, but oh. I mean, you would expect that. 50% is pretty good, that if a player shoots yeah. that from the field, a good I'm thinking they're going to win. 
Um, but their defense has, has obviously been much, much uh, uh, better. And transition, is, as Tausch pointed to, they've given up the fewest fast break points in the league since Doc Rivers took over. But all the numbers, um, really since the coaching change, and this isn't to pile on Adrian Griffin, but it, gonna, it just shows you how much, how much, and I know you guys love this, uh, this phrase, but they've just gone out and they grabbed the low-hanging fruit that they've kind of boiled down to what was causing these issues and how can we make the most immediate impact. The two biggest things are transition and rebounding because the Bucks were getting killed in transition before, and uh, they were not good on the glass either, and that was a staple under Mike Budenholzer for five years. The issues with those – are, number one, if you're giving up transition points, you're going to give up a lot of points. And the Bucks are seeing teams run off of makes, which you don't see very much. The Bucks would make a basket, and the opponent's already down the floor with an advantage. But the rebounding one seemed to splinter a number of areas, that they weren't defensive rebounding at the rate that they typically do. A lot of that had to do with where you were positioning Giannis and Brooke Lopez. You weren't around the basket anymore. You were playing on the perimeter that led to a lot of blow-bys and points in the paint. And then those opponent offensive rebounds, which started to skyrocket really in January, that led to second-chance points, which either was going to juice the opponent points in the paint, or as you know we've seen more times than not, if you give an opponent a second chance, they're typically going to hit a three-pointer with it, and that's what was happening. So since the coaching change, they've really cleaned up those two areas. They've been one of the best rebounding teams in the league, and they've really cleaned up their transition. Fast break is a big part of that, but transition overrated the amount of possessions that the opponent is running there. They've gone from dead last to the middle of the pack there, and that's taken away some of those easy baskets as well. And this is all without really layering in a whole lot of different looks from Doc Rivers as he's kind of stressed. I don't want to overwhelm them. That you know, I, I don't want them spending time thinking about what am I supposed to do here. You get the sense based on what Doc has said so far. He's he's basically come in with Rex Kalamian, who's running his defense, and instructed them on what not to do. We'll we'll weave in and layer in some of the newer things as we get more comfortable. But in the time being, don't do this. And he singled out. Look, I love Damian Lillard. I don't need Damian Lillard crashing on the boards for rebounds. I don't need guys that are beyond the three-point line going and trying to get offensive rebounds. That's leading to the transition baskets. And they've eliminated all of that, and it seems that, in turn, that's boosted this defense from in the bottom 10 to now in the top 10 since this coaching change. JG, was that an effort thing? Because when I, if you're coaching little people, it's an effort thing. Get back. you got to sprint. Was it an effort thing, or was it – what was the big thing? Because, yeah, you just said, well, don't, don't go down and crash the boards. What has been the yeah. big change? Well, I think the big change is structure. And um, again, you can take this as let's pile on the coach that's no longer here, but that really is what kind of stood out. And, and I talked with a few other people about this. Of, yeah, I don't know what to make of this with Eric Name and, and with Dave Kane and a few others. Of So what what is the strategy here? Because more often than not, you'll hear the coach lay out, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to crash offensive glass, or we're not going to do it. It's one or the other. And a lot of what we heard in those first 43 games was it was almost like a choose-your-own-adventure. If you think you can get there, go get it. But if you have guys freelancing like that, you're not playing connected and together as a unit. And I think that was a big part of it is you were seeing guys that were going in for a rebound, 
when in reality you need to get back in transition. So to me, I think it was more about structure, and we've heard that come up quite a bit, not just with rebounding, but with a lot of things. Of Doc Rivers has come in and he set a structure of here's the expectations, here's what we're going to do. And look, that's always going to be tough for a first-time head coach. You don't have that to lean back on. You have the experience of being an assistant coach, but Adrian Griffin had never worn the whistle before at any level, not just at the NBA, college or high school, and that was part of the adjustment. So I think that's been what was lacking the most is somebody coming in and saying, here's what we're going to do, but more importantly, here's what we're not going to do. Yeah, that seems crazy to me. You get championship players that have been there, but I digress. I don't want to pile on, to use your term, uh, on Adrian Griffin. On the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. JG, what did you make of – oh, yeah, look at those oranges. What did you make of Giannis at the All-Star break saying, this is Dame's team, we need Dame to, you know, be the guy? Is that a mess – what – there's always these little subliminal, and it's not the same thing when – Rogers or somebody else would say it, but when Giannis said that, what did that tell you? I think it's true, um, and we've kind of heard the same from Doc Rivers, too, in that um, I, I talk about some of the things that Doc has tried to put in place. Getting Damian Lillard going is, is one of the big ones, and, and he's kind of said from the start, you know, I want the ball in his hands more. I know Giannis has been a great playmaker, and he's continued to grow there, and he can handle the ball. And he's deadly in transition, but I think he's going to be even more scary without the ball in transition when Dame is bringing it up the floor. And and you do need to get Damian Lillard going and comfortable and get him into a rhythm for those numbers that we pointed to in, in the Bucks' success when he scores 26 or more points in his shooting percentages. So I think it's a recognition of that from Giannis. Um, I also think it's, it's Giannis, as he kind of talked a little bit more in that too, of you know, it's, it's not as easy as everybody's kind of mentioning, and I think there's kind of some frustration there, too, when you hear, why aren't Giannis and Dane running the pick and roll so much? And Doc has talked about this, too, of, okay, it's not that simple. It's not NBA 2K that if, if opponents see they're setting up that two-man game, they're going to blitz Damian Lillard to get the ball out of his hands, and then it's all for naught. So uh, you need to figure out how can we set that up and how can we get to that. And you need Damian Lillard to have the ball there. But I think the biggest part of it is, you know, Giannis will be the first to point out he hits the free throws when they matter, and he's off to a pretty good start in these two games at the free throw line. But one of the reasons why you got Damian Lillard was because of that. When you think about Dame time, and he's a 93% free throw shooter this season, best in his career. Uh, He's hit those free throws late early in the season in some big wins. And his half-court offense is what this team was lacking the last five years. So I think it's a recognition there, too, of, look, I'm still going to get my 30 points, but we need this guy to be our closer. Because we're 19-0 and when he scores at least 30 points in a game. Talking with Justin Garcia, our Bucks buddy. Uh, Justin, JG, how- can you explain to Jason that a lot of times when one person is dominant scoring – Nobody else gets involved and you get beat. Like, I don't think Jason understands that concept. Can you Don't take this out on me because you had the stat wrong. Uh, it wasn't me that gave that stat. That was a Twitter You stat. gave it on the radio. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Okay, now, it is on me. Uh, but it's, <laughs> thank you, Truman. It is my fault. Thank you. It's, it was it's, played by Gary it's Oldman tough to get into a rhythm. Oppenheimer. Yeah, it's, it's tough yeah. to get into a rhythm, and then you run into the issue yeah. of guys – 
that haven't had as many touches and are cold that once yes. teams start to load up and say, we got to get the ball out of his hands, then you're asking cold shooters to take over. I think you would point to a couple of weeks ago, the Timberwolves and Carl Anthony Towns had 62 points and they blew the lead and lost the game because there was no other offense coming anywhere else. Mm. So they're 0-1-1 when he scores 62, <laughs> which would go against everything that Jason just said. Um, I don't... Uh, sure. Uh, if Damian Lillard is scoring 30 and shooting 50% from the field, I think they're going to win most of those games, yes, regardless of what Giannis might do in that game. Uh, let's talk about the third member of their quote-unquote big three. You know, all these teams have them. And they, another factor in the way they've played, perhaps is that they haven't had Chris Middleton. Now, you and I are big on Chris Middleton. Uh, what is the prognosis there? What is the expectation there? And how does that change their offensive paradigm that then they would have three guys that are capable of scoring consistently, which I think would probably be very, very, very good for their offense? So I, I it sounds like it's close uh, to his return. I don't think he's going to play in tomorrow's game just based off what Doc Rivers said, but it, it seems like it could be maybe a week from today that he's back, that we've heard over and over. He's close. He feels good. And, and Doc said before the game yesterday, I don't want to say he's going to play in our next game, but he's he's getting very close. So that's the encouraging part. Um, and look, everybody has pointed to the offensive numbers because we'll rave about the defense. They've been sixth best in the league since the coaching change. They're 12th best under Doc Rivers since January 29th. And not to get sidetracked, the impressive part about that is the teams they've played. And three of the last six games, they've held opponents under 100 points. They did that once in the 43 games under Adrian Griffin. But you look at the 15 games they played since the coaching change, Nine of them have been against teams in the top six, so playoff teams in their respective conference. They've had two against the Timberwolves, two against the Nuggets, two against the Cavaliers. Those are all teams in the top three, and that's six of those 15 games. So it's been a very difficult schedule, and the 7-8 and eight record I think is pretty good, all things considered. But offense is what people point to of, yeah, the defense is great, but what about the offense? It's dropped to 20th. But in those games, you know, you have to point out, Brooke Lopez didn't play in three. Damian Lillard didn't play in two. Chris Middleton's played 110 minutes in those 15 games since this coaching change. So for all intents and purposes, he's been out nine of those games. That's going to be a big part of it. But I, I think the encouraging part is their half-court offense has still been very good in those 15 games, even without Chris. Tenth best in the league in the half-court, which is what you need in the postseason the biggest thing to me, though, is those minutes when you have your four best players on the floor, you haven't seen it since this coaching change, but all season long, with Brooke and Dame and Giannis and Chris on the floor, the Bucks have a 125.7 offensive rating, which would be the best in the league, and a 109.3 offensive rating, which, again, would be right around two or three overall. So with those guys on the floor, they've been very, very good. And taking it a step further, against the best teams in the league, if you look at the team's top 10 in net rating, the Bucks are 11-7, and seven, and again, that may not seem like an impressive record. It's the third best in the league. So they are third best in win percentage against the best teams in the league and third best in net rating with the third best defense. So with their best players on the floor, they've been very good. And against the best teams in the league, they've been even better. The issue for the Bucks has been – 
the teams that you're going to see in the next two or, or next three games, the Charlotte Hornets and the Chicago Bulls, they've struggled against those teams. They've played to the level of their competition. But these final 20-plus games, you know, those games against the Hornets and Bulls and you've got a game against the Wizards, those are incredibly important games because you have to establish some consistency and you still have the toughest schedule left in the Eastern Conference. So those games you look at and say, I don't want to take an opponent lightly, but we should win this game. you got to win those games. JG, can you count on Chris Middleton? You said all that stuff. That was all great stats, I, but can you count on him? I mean, I think so. I, I, I understand where you're going, and I've heard it before, but it's the last couple years that we look at. He had the one hamstring issue, and, and that was already almost 10 years ago, it seems like, seven or eight years ago. Um, but other than that, I don't know that I can say he's injury prone when you look at, well, the Bulls game. He slipped on a wet spot, and that cost him the rest of that season and then got another procedure on his wrist when he was going through rehab in the offseason. This year, I mean, Kevin Durant comes down in his landing zone, and he rolls his ankle. So is that really, oh, the guy can't stay healthy? I think it's just been more of unfortunate luck. And I, I do think with Damian Lillard, it helps Chris Middleton out even more because if you didn't make that trade, Chris Middleton needs to be your best half-court offensive player. So that's where you would really notice, man, we really miss Chris in these moments. And you do. You know, you still miss him. But with Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton's going to be your third option. And the expectations, you're not going to ask him to carry that half-court offense. So I think a lot of it is they're being very cautious with him because of that importance. But I don't know that you can say, man, he's injury-prone and can't stay healthy. When you look at the last two injuries he suffered and just how freaking nature they were. All right, Justin, I know we've got to let you go, but now I realize that Tausch was definitely here the last time you joined us with those shoes in the background because I, I know why. you had the Dame Time watch, yeah, it's right and it still oh, has not yeah. been delivered, has it? No, it's still waiting for him to pick it up, so... Well, maybe Max can come get it with the Air Force Ones that you don't have. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, Justin, I've heard you because, you know, uh, besides your mom, who I know listens to every word you say on the radio. No, no, not even her. It's it's basically you. uh, I listen to you all the time because I'm in the car so much with Maddie for ballet, and I appreciate you keeping me company on my drives. But I've heard you talk about the schedule being the toughest for a while now. Right, They had a couple of easy games, but this is a key portion of that where it's not quite as tough. When you look at this team, if you had to say today, on February 26th of a leap year, what's, can we expect this team to be in the Eastern Conference Finals? Are you confident that this team, with all the upheaval and the coaching change and Chris Middleton's injury and the inconsistency of where Dame is at, do you feel good about where this team is trending that we should at least see this team playing for the right to go to the NBA Finals? Um, overall, I do. And I, I think the caveat is as long as you stay on the line that you are, that two or three seed, I do believe they'll be in the Eastern Conference Finals. You have to avoid that four seed at all costs. Now, coming into the All-Star break, my level of concern was when you looked at the standings and you saw the Knicks have been red hot. They're dealing with injuries, though. Sixers, you don't know when Joel Embiid or if he's going to come back. Those teams behind them, the Pacers, the Heat, and the Magic, there's a little bit of separation between you and them, but they have very easy schedules. The Cavs were who you were concerned with, and the Knicks getting healthy were the concerns. 
because with your schedule, if you go through any stretch of, you know, 10 games, eight games, we're talking two or three weeks there, you're going to be in trouble if those teams start to pick it up. You're already four back of the Cavs in the loss column at the break. And, you know, the other thing was uh, the the other part of it was (laughs) you don't have the head-to-head tiebreaker against the Cavaliers. You you split the season series, so it's going to come down to divisional record. Bucks had beaten up on the division for the last five years. That's not the case this year because the Cavs and Pacers have been so much better. They're 9-7. and Their final divisional game is Friday against the Bulls, so you have to win that. And you need Cleveland to go one and three in their final four divisional games to get that tiebreaker. I still don't think the Bucks are going to catch the Cavs for the two seed because of that and because of Cleveland's remaining schedule. But I don't have a problem with being third and playing the Cavaliers potentially in the second round. The, the big thing is you can't drop to fourth because that's a potential for disaster. If Joel Embiid comes back and the Sixers are the five seed, If you get past that, you have the Celtics in the second round and then the other half. So as long as they stay where they are now, I do believe they'll be in the Eastern Conference Finals. JG, you're the best, man. We appreciate you. Uh, Go dust your uh, shoes, and we'll talk to you next time. All right. See you guys. That is Justin Garcia. You hear him on the Bucks radio network all the time. Keeps me company to and from Milwaukee. Now there's another way to enjoy your Bucks material, though, and that, of course, is with Bucks Plus, a first-of-its-kind audio platform from Good Karma Brands and the Milwaukee Bucks. All you got to do is go to bucks.com slash plus, or you can listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. There are five shows that are either live now or will be uh, in the coming days. There's Behind the Bucks, presented by Gallagher. There's Thanalysis, which is our personal favorite in terms of the title, with Thanasis and his podcast. Yep. There's the Here District with Marcus Johnson and his son Chris. There's Bucks and Six with the six-minute recaps of every game in podcast form. And there's Courtside with Gail Clappa, all available right now on Bucks.com slash plus. Whoa, Nelly is next. It's Wildey and Tausch.